The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, hello everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Full Court Press on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Did you have a good weekend, Ajay? We have each other. <laughs> that is what matters yes. most. <laughs> that is what matters at this point in time. We walk into the studio and we're having some internet issues here in the building. And Ajay's like, no, oh, we have no internet. Eric, well, <laughs> we have each other. I look at you like, that's supposed to mean something? Oh, it's coming back online. Oh, it's not. It'll be off in five minutes. <laughs> it's been a little spotty. I am today. the new 5338. I am the pessimistic dude. Or her. Whatever it is. Uh, Eric, uh, my weekend was good. My weekend was good. It was good to see some uh, live new content last night. Did you watch it? You know what? I didn't. I have it recorded. Oh, you do? Okay. As long as you have it recorded, then you're good. We've been doing this thing in our family where we've been doing a lot of different like movie series. Okay, so I know so you've done, done the Dark like, Knight. We've done all the Lord of the Rings stuff. Dude, that's uh, a waste of time. We we did the Indiana Jones. We went through the first three, and I'm like, okay, there's one more. They're like, my kids. No, Dad, that doesn't count. We don't want to watch n- number four, Indiana Jones number four. I'm like, well, it's part of the movie series. No, it doesn't count. I only want to watch it. <laughs> I don't know. They think it's dumb. Uh, so really? uh, yesterday it was um, it was Back to the Future. So that's what we were doing. One and two are great. Three is horrible. <laughs> Three is a disaster. Uh, we watched one and two hard. yesterday. We we haven't watched three yet. Two is my favorite. I mean, it's got to be your favorite too, right? Well, <laughs> predicted the Cubs are going to win the World Series. Yeah, it's got to be your favorite. <laughs> that movie gave me hope. Yeah, I'm sure as it a did. child. I'm sure it did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So, so I uh, missed the whole Jordan, you know, the Last Dance. Well, you you recorded it. Yeah. So and, I'm planning on and, watching it. So yeah, you're good then. Uh, and it's okay. You don't have to worry about spoiling anything for me. I mean, it's already sports been talk radio has been going over it like yeah. crazy. All so, I mean, and, and, and the thing we got to be careful about is because you listeners have been listening to sports radio since 7, 8 a.m. or whatever it is. Uh, so, whatever we say is going to be like, well, we, that's what Colin Coward said. That's what Dan Patrick said. That's what Yoda said. We're, gonna, we're just going to still, I'm going to share with you our thoughts. But they might sound similar to Colin Dan or who Doug Gottlieb or whoever it was. They might sound similar to, to the get up this morning, the jump this morning to Rachel Nichols, whoever. But it's still my thoughts. And I'll, you know, I'll share through my favorite parts. By the way, uh, speaking of series, have you got through, uh, would you watch the Born Identity, the Born series with your kids? Ooh, good choice. That's uh, a real case. Okay, so need to, yeah, we need to dig that up. It has been forever since. So there's two of them I'd recommend. The Bourne series is really, really, really good. In fact, I rewatched that two weeks ago, and I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Like, I forgot how good Matt Damon was and how good Julia Stiles was, well, too. One of the things I really love about that series is how much was done in live action. Because yeah. we were getting yeah. to a point where a lot of these movies now are using computer-generated... You know, even the people were computer-generated in some of the fight scenes or the car chases, but not in this one. It's old school. I love it. That's a great choice. Hey, 5338 texted in, looking forward to Full Court Press's comprehensive, in-depth, pick-by-pick coverage of the WNBA draft. 
Man, okay, 5338, what is your problem these days? Are you, do you need <laughs> me to come deliver you some cookies? I will go buy some cookies if you will be nice to everybody around you, your neighbors included. I, your dog. Did someone kick your dog? I'm just wondering, man. I look like the last seven tweets and you're just pissed about life. Uh, okay. Well, uh, all I would say is, have you heard us discuss uh, WNBA before? Yeah. Uh, then you probably the, shouldn't expect to hear us discuss much NBA, the, WNBA the, coverage. The girl who got forward. selected as the number one pick from Oregon is well, she should a have been. baller. She's amazing. She's so good. We have talked about her. She's been my player of the week a couple different times on yeah. the show. Uh, okay, so going back to dark movie series. Uh, so there's that one, and then Ocean's 11 and 12 and 13, and then Ocean's 8. Go through those four movies. Have you seen Ocean's okay, 8 yet? Uh, Ocean's 8? It's no. wi- it's so it's all girls instead oh, of like Brad right. Pitt. Nope. It's seen that Sandra one. Bullock, uh, uh, the girl who plays Kelly off The Office, Mindy Kaling. Um, it's really, really, really good. Anne Hathaway's in it. Really That's good. good cast. I, I, I remember, thought it was going to be like be a good cast. I thought it was going to be like the WNBA in basketball, just watered down garbage. <laughs> oh come on now! High five, three three eight. How are you doing? Uh, but instead, it was actually really, really good because. Ocean's Twelve. Ocean's Twelve is worth skipping. D- yes. Okay. So I didn't know that. Until Ocean's I went Thirteen the is the is the Ocean's sequel 11, that should have been. You know, great kickoff. Bam! Right off the runway. Beautiful. Ocean's Twelve is like oh, let's just get it out there to get it out there because we have to. Ocean's Thirteen is like okay, we're gonna do it and do it right and end it the right yeah, way. Going back to our roots and how it should have been. And then Ocean's Eight was just awesome. It's an all female cast. It's so well done. Okay, uh, my wife and I we did watch Ocean's Thirteen just the other day. So. Oh, you did? Yeah, right, it's it's really effective. But I haven't seen Ocean's Eight. We'll have to go find that one. I am going to confess something to you. I've always wanted to be part of a money heist. If there's ever a gold heist that's going to be done in Switzerland or whatever, just and I'm not here. Just okay, so everybody all... plays a role in those things. So what would your role be? Oh, I'd be Matt Damon. I'd be the guy who like acts dumb or is dumb and just does the little small things I need to get done. It would be the guy that could fit into small spaces. Yeah, but yeah, but just pay me. That's all I want. Because all I care. You'd be the, the end, guy crawling through the, the air duct. Oh, you dude, could fit. yeah, that guy who like wiggles out of it. Okay, <laughs> but here's the thing though: is that Matt Damon, like he he plays the dumb character, right? But in the end, by thirteen, he's actually pretty dang smart. He's kind of running, you know, he's running ship with Brad That's Pitt, a key cog, yeah, and uh, George Clooney. So yeah, that would be me. But all I care about in the end, like Matt Damon does, is I just want to get paid. Just pay me. That's it. That's all I care about. So yeah, that that yeah, that's a good series. I love I love Ocean's uh, eleven and thirteen. Twelve was blah. Uh, Eric, uh, the Last Dance last night parts one and two. Parts three and four will be next Sunday. Five six the following. Seven eight nine ten. You know how it goes. Five did weeks. you like having one and two like back to back? Yes, yes, yes. Or did you yes, pref- yes, would you yes. prefer to kind of stretch this no, thing out? Oh no 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 no. Add some because intrigue. I'm telling you. In fact, when you watch it. Text me after you're done watching the first hour and tell me you don't want to go to the second hour immediately. Tell me you don't want to go to the second hour immediately. In fact, to our listeners, 435-339-0321. If you watched it, text us and let us know what you thought. Did you hate it? Did you like it? Uh, What did you think about it? Does it make you think different of Michael Jordan? Because, Eric, like the whole, you know what? Jordan says you're going to think I'm a bigger bleepity bleep after you're done watching this. I really don't. In fact, I just hate Jerry Krause more than I hate Michael Jordan. <laughs> I really do. After watching, I'm like, man, Krause, you're an idiot, dude. And you also find out a little bit more, uh, a little bit more about Scottie Pippen. Uh, 
I don't, I don't know. Am I allowed to spoil some things for you or no? Should I be careful? I, believe me, I've heard a lot okay. already today. So, I've read a lot already today. So, Scotty so, Pip, so Scotty Pippen being the equipment manager at Central Arkansas and then turning into play be at Central Arkansas because kids didn't make academic standards is greater than Michael Jordan getting cut as a sophomore. Like, you were an equipment manager and then turned into the Robin of Batman in NBA basketball with six, with six titles. Like, just to see what Scottie Pippen was and then what he came to. But it also shocked me with his deal that he was the sixth highest paid player on the Bulls team. The sixth. He was the 122nd highest player on the, you know, on the list of paid players in the NBA. But at the same time, it was interesting that Jerry Krause, um, oh no, sorry, it was Reinsdorf who had told Scotty when he first got his deal, do not sign it. Seven years is too long. Like, but Scotty was, his intake was, well, I want to take care of my family. I got to make sure in case of any injuries or what, which I get, but he, but Reinsdorf was totally right. You don't sign a deal your rookie year for seven years. That's nuts. Don't do it. Stay away from it. Or I guess it was in 91. Well, I guess 689, whatever it was. Uh, that was, that really kind of threw me for a loop. And then also, just the way Jordan, you could tell how flustered and frustrated Jordan was with everything the way he started in 98. Uh, he called Pippen selfish for, for waiting to get his surgery, for not getting it as soon as the summer was, uh, was beginning and their season was done. But then to hear Phil Jackson say, I don't blame him. He wasn't getting paid. He wasn't getting taken care of. Why should he worry about you know, this team when the team wasn't worrying about Scottie Pippen financially? So to hear Jordan say, well, he was selfish, and hear Phil say, well, no, he wasn't. Interesting take. Uh, and then you could just see Jordan, or I guess everybody's kind of take on, you know, this team of the dynasty and the way they started was just horrendous. 0-4 on the road, and then they get the first win over a garbage, garbage Clippers team, but they have to go to double overtime to do it, and Jordan has to score 49 to do it. And that's where it kind of hit its pinnacle. Um, and the whole, like, everyone says, well, you know what, Jordan was, you know, this way, and, and he didn't, um, he didn't treat his teammates right in 98. Jordan decked Steve Kerr in 1996. He decked him in the face in a practice where Phil Jackson had to kick him out. So this wasn't like anything new. That was never new. Jordan was always the biggest bleep. He was the biggest bleepity bleepity bleep. <laughs> but do you know what? His teammates respected him and knew that when they were on the court, Jordan was the team. Whatever Jordan says, you do it. And Jordan was going to, and, and more often than not, Jordan backed it up with a win. Especially when they mattered most. Jordan was a bleepity bleep of a teammate, but man, he could perform at a high level and he could back everything up. That's what made him so great to me, Eric. Well, he was a winner and that... that cause people to put up with a little bit more, but it, but also to listen a little bit more. Um, yeah. So the thing that I think is going to be interesting why it's a, why we're going to be engaged with this series, the state of Utah more, is because th- they were facing the Jazz in, oh. in the finals. Uh, I understand that Stockton and Malone have been interviewed. Yep. Part of the, the wide variety of people that have been talked to about this. So Did I you, really look forward to watching Have you seen the small snippets they've released yet? No. <laughs> you could tell Carl was pretty uh, PO'd. 
Like, Stockton's kind of just taking that high road, and Carl's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to let you have it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty detailing. Uh, and another thing that was really interesting in the documentary, I want, I want your opinion on this. The NBA these days are all buddy, 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 right? Back in 1990s, that wasn't the case. Jordan didn't ever oh, go to the Celtics. Absolutely. That's why when we had this discussion last Friday, which was uh, more difficult, the what the, the Bulls did with their their three-peat or what the Lakers did, uh, the, the league was so different back then. Yes. It was much more physical. There were true rivalries. There were fights breaking out all the time in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was a normalcy. But here's the thing. The story about Game 2. When Danny Ainge and Michael Jordan go golfing in the morning, in the day, and Jordan is just playing like garbage, and Danny Ainge is just trash-talking him, just letting him have it. They get in the car, they go drop off Jordan. As Jordan gets out, he says, hey, tell DJ you got a little something for him tonight. And then he pours in 63. One game after putting in 49. And they still lose, but he put up 63 dang points against the so-called, according to Larry Bird and Kevin McHale, the best defense the Celtics had ever had in that dynasty. He put in 63. There's a difference between being buddy-buddy now and being buddy back then. Jordan was not buddy with you. Jordan would, like, take you, hey, let's go play golf. And then you think it's going to be an all-right night when you play him on the court, right? He's going to be a little bit soft, a little bit more nice. He put in 63 on that team. That what? That's not buddy, buddy. That's hey, I'll we'll go play golf with you. We'll have a nice little chat. When I get on the court, I'm gonna kick you. You know what? I'm gonna destroy you. That's and that's what I think made Jordan so great. He didn't make friends, Eric. Kobe Bryant didn't make friends. Kobe Bryant could care less about being your friend. He hated Kevin Garnett. He hated Tim Duncan. He especially hated Manu Ginobili during the time on the court. But he had respect for him. But he hated those guys. LeBron's like, hey, Steph Curry, you want to go out to dinner tonight? I mean, it's just, there's too much friendliness. And back then, back in Jordan's era, and even up, really, even up to Kobe Bryant, I don't ever think that there was a time where they said, you know what? We're friends. We're buddies. It's it's okay. No, not even close. Even when Charles Oakley left the Bulls to go to the Knicks, it even became more tense. That's the, That's what makes Jordan great to me. It's because he was an assassin, a killer assassin. Didn't matter if you guys, uh, you know, went to a, a a funeral of the of the opponent's grandmother. He'd come back and he put up fifty on you, and then he'd yell at you while trash talking the whole entire night, make you feel bad. He had that killer instinct. I'm curious to know if this docu series will look into his penchant for gambling. I heard it does. Uh, and I, I know heard that he was had- that was one of the highly suspicious. Things surrounding why he left the NBA. Wasn't because of baseball, because he was found guilty for gambling? Because, I mean, there was a big cloud of suspicion around his father's death. um, Yeah. And some of the things, his gambling debts on the golf course. So, let let me ask you something here. You, and I, I, I don't know if David Stern... I don't know if David Stern is is all thrilled. Well, I guess I mean God rest his soul now. But if he had to be all too thrilled about it, like if Michael Jordan was gambling and was gambling on his own team, which by the way would relate to another superstar should be Hall of Famer and is not because he's been banned for life. If he was guilty for gambling and they let him off the hook, where does it put him on the status of the all-time greats? Oh, it definitely knocks him down, way down. But, I mean, 
Again, this is all speculation. There's no evidence that I've seen that suggests that Michael Jordan... According to the NBA, but... ...bet on NBA games. But Stern protected Jordan, man. You know that. Oh, absolutely. Stern protected his highest commodity. He protected his stars. Yeah, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, uh... Even Kobe Bryant, I was when the stuff say, was going down with him in Colorado. I was thinking about even Kobe Bryant. I didn't know if I should... Yeah, I actually put Kobe Bryant on the list. Um... And surprisingly, he never really protected the Spurs, but I don't think him and pa- I don't think Stern and Popovich were really big fans of each other either. Um, well, the fact that the Spurs won NBA championships flies in the face of anybody who says that the NBA is rigged. Yeah, because if the NBA truly was rigged and the only one of the big market teams and the best stars to win, San Antonio Spurs and Tim with the face of Tim Duncan would never have won any championship. I would even put LeBron James on that list. I do. I I, I just I but, don't know about that. Yeah, LeBron James, man, when he was with Miami, dude, they made sure that they got that team to the NBA Finals because if it was anybody else, all heck would break loose and all ratings would go down. They couldn't have that. It's got to be Kevin Durant versus LeBron James. It's got to be Dirk Nowitzki versus LeBron James. It's got to be Duncan versus LeBron James. Not once, but twice. Because games, the set first seven game series was remarkable. Let's do it again. I and but going back to Michael Jordan, if he like, we don't know if he was guilty or not, and nobody can say he wasn't because we don't know. I still think that Stern protected him to at some point to make sure because hey, basketball is going down. Rockets have won back to back titles, uh, but we need Michael Jordan back. I really think David protected Michael Jordan from that situation. And I, I'm sure Michael's going to have something to say about that. Yeah, that, that will be intriguing to see if that gets touched on. I, 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 I hear it does. I, uh, I read a couple articles saying that they do hit on it um, from those who have actually seen an early release of it. The question is, is how much on it. Because remember, Michael Jordan is not a guy who goes out and does interviews anymore. That just does not happen anymore. So Michael picks very carefully and chooses wisely, but this one... And only the people he knows will Bingo. put him in a very favorable light. Bingo. Ahmad Rashad was the last one he ever sat down for more than 60 minutes and talked to him. This one, Michael is sitting in his home, nice comfy chair with two cigars and a bottle of whiskey, well, I guess a glass of whiskey with him onto his right side. That guy is relaxed, and uh, he kind of lets loose. I mean, he calls Scotty Pippen selfish for crying out loud for having a broken foot. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I'm I'm excited to watch it. Uh, I feel bad that I, I didn't get a chance to see it last night, but I'll have time this week to get it. So and next week they focus on the Pistons and that little bad boys rivalry they had with them, but then they also it leaks into Dennis Rodman and what it was like to take Dennis Rodman onto the team, whom Phil Jackson says, quote, Scottie Pippen hated the idea. Jordan was okay with it because Jordan knew that Dennis Rodman would fall under him, end quote. So like, and and that's when Dennis Rodman decided to marry himself. Uh, wrote a book. Uh, kind of got to the wild side more so. So that I mean, I, I'm actually excited to hear from Dennis Rodman because we we barely hear for a word. We hear more from Bill Wennington than we do Dennis Rodman in part one and two combined. That's well, a ten part series. So I still don't know. What I'm that, sure we're gonna hear a lot. And you know what's more. crazy is what when, like when they put Barack Obama on there. Because, you know, they title who the person is and why affiliation, right? Guess what they have Barack Obama's affiliation to the documentary, uh, documentary series as? Fan? Yeah, pretty much. 
a Chicago native. Not the four, not the forty-something president of the United States. It's a Chicago native, but it's actually really good. I mean, I think he belongs in it. What I'm terrified to see is Justin freaking Timberlake on it. What is he gonna say? I was a fan of Michael when I was six. Well, congratulations. I so performed at halftime once. Yeah, right. I one time got. I mean, unless you perform like at his wedding, unless you like w- took a ride in his Chevy Corvette, Corvette with him. No one gives a crap what you have to say, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> that part's going to bother that's, me. Yeah, that's questionable. But I'm excited about it. This thing's going to be right. Oh, man. Speaking of series, right? The Batman? That release date's been pushed back to October 1st of 2021. Oh, man. A lot of movies have been pushed back. Oh, dude. There are a lot of great movies I was looking forward to yeah. this summer. Like, nah, they're not going to happen. Is it too early for that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there might be, we might be able to see some releases this summer, but. I mean, this one's supposed to go out know. June 25th. And so they're pushing off a whole year? Yeah. Pretty sure. Let's see. Oh, no, sorry. The release date from June 25th of 2021 to October 1st of 2021. Oh, okay. The, wait, but it's. So it's, it's, it's affecting, I'm, I'm imagining that it's affecting their shooting schedule right now. Oh, okay, because it says... It's hard to produce a film. Okay, that makes sense. Because it says due to the coronavirus globe. I'm like, dude, this thing isn't going to last for a whole year. Uh, Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's the... the, Yeah, the long-term effects of this. We're feeling some things immediately, like in the moment, but there's a lot of stuff that's going to cascade and we're still going to be feeling this for a little while. So Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, Batman, Black Adam, The Flash, Shazam 2, and Aquaman have all been pushed back at least, yeah, for at least uh, a considerable amount of time. I can I, I can do without Wonder Woman or The Flash or Aquaman. I need Suicide Squad, Batman, and Shazam, though. Is that going to star LeBron James or Shaq? Oh, that's... Neither. That's Zachary Levi, huh? Uh, well, yeah, Zachary Levi is Shazam, but uh, the other main character... I'm not mistaken, is uh, The Rock. What? Uh, he's gonna, what's he going to play? Like Black Adam or something like that? I'm not real familiar with the, with the whole comic thing. So. What was the one Shaq was in on the Disney Channel? Oh, Kazam, where he gives that kid three wishes. <laughs> I love that, that was, movie. That was really, really bad. <laughs> hey, earlier today, uh, the Mountain West Conference released an interesting discussion with Commissioner Craig Thompson. Uh, it's definitely worth listening to in its entirety because he discusses the financial impacts of the way things are right now well, with this uh, coronavirus pandemic, how it's affecting college uh, athletics and the uh, member institutions, l- trying to look down the road, um, how they're trying to reduce costs without cutting sports. Uh, and if this continues on, how much more problematic could that be? This is just part one, uh, and the part two will be released tomorrow. But uh, it's about 11, 12 minutes of conversation today with uh, Commissioner Craig Thompson. So we'll have that for it's really you. Really good, too. Really interesting stuff. Really interesting stuff. stuff. Uh, interesting comments in The Athletic today from John Hollinger, who is look, doing a um, kind of a pre-NBA draft analysis of some players. He has... Five takes on NBA draft prospects where I'm against the consensus. One of those guys, Sam Merrill. Uh, We'll we'll look at what he has to say about him 
Coming up a little bit later on here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, uh, earlier today, Jesse Kurtz, interviewed Mountain West Conference Commissioner Craig Thompson. It's part one of a two-part interview that will be released uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, It's about, it's almost 12 minutes, about a little, about 11 and a half minutes, really, uh, covering a wide variety of topics. And uh, it's really interesting uh, just how where we are right now, where the Mountain West Conference is right now amid this pandemic, how it's affecting schools throughout the conference, trying to find creative ways of saving money without slashing sports. But if it continues on, um, how how bad could it get uh, with the Mountain West Conference? So uh, we're going to play this in its entirety because I think it merits it, and I think it's worth listening to the, the the commissioner of the Mountain West Conference and how he's reacting and how the Mountain West as a as a group of schools are reacting to the current situation that we find ourselves in. So and then again, this is Jesse Kurtz from the Mountain West Network interviewing Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson. Commissioner, appreciate the time. Thank you, Jesse. Walk me through what your day to day looks like right now. How are you navigating these times and how are you filling your day? Well, I think you used the right adjective when you said unique. Certainly, these are challenging times. Uh, There is no textbook. We have a lot of really creative, smart, uh, experienced administrators, uh, both collegiately and nationally, that are dealing with this. But uh, there, there is no textbook. And so, you know, I think every day is a little bit different. Uh, In general, I, I probably have three to five I'm learning Zoom and Loop Up and Team and all these different ways to communicate, and there's several there that we're having conference calls daily and several times a day with a number of groups. We had the opportunity as the FBS commissioner to speak with Vice President Mike Pence, which was very enlightening. Uh, right before I came to do this interview, I was talking to the Sugar Bowl, and they're asking a question as a host for next year's game in 2021 in the semifinals. What do we do? Is there going to be a Sugar Bowl in 2021? And and those are the types of questions. I think the operative we've been dealing with the last couple of weeks, the last month, in fact, is everybody wants tomorrow's answer today. Well, right now, of course, there are no competitions in college athletics. Are you finding it hard to find ways to promote your student-athletes, or are you finding those ways to get the word out about the great things that they have done and are doing? Well, we have a really talented uh, group in our external communications with our social media, with the digital network yourself, Bridget, and others. Uh, you know, one of the examples is Mountain West Moments, where we have uh, a student-athlete talk about that very special championship, that game-winning shot, Sam Merrill, winning the uh, the Mountain West Basketball Championship with a three-pointer. You know, we have student-athlete letters where we're asking them to talk about what the experience of intercollegiate athletics means to them, and those are very moving. And then just the normal course of business, the one-on-one interviews where we've had two new men's basketball coaches, two new women's basketball coaches named kind of peculiar search processes. 
uh, not like they, they do them in the past. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a very active group, and I think they're still telling the stories, which is what uh, we hope that people are, are pleased to receive and hear. When you have an opportunity to speak with leaders on campus or in college athletics abroad, what are some of the primary concerns right now that are being voiced? The what ifs, uh, you know, it's so hard. We, we just uh, approved the college football playoff budget this week. Uh, it's it's somewhere around 16 to 20% cut. We're probably looking at a 15 to 20% cut in the operating budget of the Mountain West Conference, as is everybody. And, you know, we're going to be fine for this year from a financial perspective, but the, the unknowns are the challenges. You know, the NCAA allowed uh, seniors in spring sports to come back and gain another season of eligibility. Uh, how are those scholarships going to be funded? Are they going to be funded? And, uh, you know, we have, we have several conference calls a week with our athletic directors, and we're talking about all measures of cost containment, cost reduction. But everybody on a national sense, I think we'll get through this year, this fiscal, if your fiscal year ends on June 30th, in, in pretty good shape although there are uh, financial losses, but talking about what do we do next? You know, there's a, there's a very simple solution to everything. It's not a solution, but the, the matter of the fact is if there is no college football this fall, there's very little likelihood there will be any other sports because 85% of the revenue derived in college athletics comes from the sport of football. Uh, you were recently quoted about being creative in saving money without cutting sports. What are some of those ideas? Yeah, let me let me uh, explain that a little bit. You know, certainly our intent as an athletic director group, and they've been working very hard, and, and a lot of diligence has gone into this whole process. No determinations have been made yet. But looking at how do we sustain, maintain the same level of sports, same sports sponsorship, uh, with, redu with reduced revenue. And so we're looking at ways in terms of maybe instead of bringing eight athletes to a meet, we can get by with six. Instead of in the sport of baseball, for an example, playing 56 games, could we play 40-some games? And, and where we play and live in the beautiful Rocky Mountains and the, and the West Coast, uh, we, we have a lot of rainouts and delays, so we're not playing 56 baseball games anyway. So reducing the number of competitions, perhaps reducing the number of participants in those competitions, uh, maybe being, being uh, creative in a ways of when you go to Fresno State, instead of playing a single game in softball or baseball, maybe play a doubleheader, uh, fewer trips. Are we going to concentrate on Mountain West play versus non-conference play? And so those are the, some of the decisions and thought processes that are going into ways to reduce the costs of running and, and promoting those sports versus the inevitable challenge of do we have to cut a sport? Nobody wants to cut any sports. That's not our intention at all. Because everyone is getting creative and how they navigate this. Are you at the conference level uh, entertaining any ideas about budget cuts? We absolutely are, Jesse. We, you know, as an example, we're talking about things like our football and basketball. Uh, media days that have been in person for 21 years. Is that something we look at and go to virtually? Number one, we don't know the schedule. We don't know when football will resume. And so to schedule a, a media day in person sometime in July, where it historically been, 
is it better to push that back and to have the flexibility? You know, we're going to find uh, throughout, we, just this, uh, in the next three weeks, I've canceled a college football playoff meeting in Dallas, our joint council meeting in Phoenix, which is SWA's faculty reps, athletic directors, uh, a board meeting, which is historically the first week in June, it will be on a virtual basis. I think we're going to see almost all in-person meetings canceled, and I don't know if they're going to come back. You know, maybe it's a new way of doing business. You know, the, the world perhaps, and certainly college athletics, might have needed a reset in the way we've uh, contained cost and spent money in inverse. And so this is an opportunity to look at things of, do we have to do them the way we've always done them? Or is there a more economical way to serve the same purpose? Uh, one of the first impactful decisions we experienced in college athletics this spring was the cancellation of the NCAA basketball tournaments. What sort of financial impact did that have on the Mountain West and how much would that loss of revenue affect the member institutions? Well, each of our institutions probably lost seven figures. Uh, one of the first impactful decisions we experienced in college athletics this spring was the cancellation of the NCAA basketball tournaments. What sort of financial impact did that have on the Mountain West and how much would that loss of revenue affect the member institutions? Well, each of our institutions probably lost seven figures uh, in excess of a million dollars by getting 37 and a half cents uh, on, on the dollar from the NCA revenue, from sports sponsorship, from grant and aid, sponsored uh, scholarships, et cetera. And so that, that's a huge hit. That's, that's a million dollars an institution. We're very fortunate in one regard to get our championship in. Uh, people were telling me in New York at Selection Weekend how creative, how lucky, how smart we were, whatever. Uh, lucky is the term. You know, we had planned to play our tournament a week early uh, years ago, and it was more of a, a cost containment because of hotel costs in uh, Las Vegas the particular week we normally played. So we were very fortunate, but we, we were able to fulfill our television obligations with CBS. We were able to have all that ticket revenue, and uh, you know, I see where conferences have lost millions of dollars by not having their own conference tournament. But back to the NCA, you know, those are lost dollars. I'm optimistic that we're going to be looking at a 97, 98% of our proposed distribution to the membership will be intact because we did get our tournament in, we fulfilled our media contract, uh, the CFP was played very successfully in New Orleans with, with LSU and Clemson, and so all those revenue streams held and we were very fortunate because we don't know how long this is gonna last and the impact it might make on revenue going forward. What sort of long-term steps are you considering to take to make sure that the Mountain West is okay going into the future? Well, we're, again, I, I hate to keep pounding on it. We're so uh, reliant on football. You know, we, we signed a new contract with, the, with CBS continuing for a decade-plus-long relationship with, with the great CBS company. Uh, a new partner, Fox, coming in. We're going ahead and working on those schedules and planning and, and anticipating, you know, a, a start of, of college football on the normal Labor Day weekend. But you have to do those things. And, you know, the challenge is it's kind of at a pause right now because both Fox and CBS have tremendous relationships with the NFL. 
And until they determine when they're playing and they're scheduling, and then you back in and around uh, the college schedules, they also, Fox, have the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10. And so there's a lot of games that might be in a very condensed uh, fall uh, if we're playing football in the fall. So, you know, I think that television, presuming that we play college football, will we'll be intact. We'll have our championship football game. We're, we're looking, you know, an, another challenge is uh, our new champion game, which uh, would take the number one selection from the Mountain West against the Pac-12 at yet-to-be-completed SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Uh, they've had some outbreak with their workers. They're testing on a daily basis. There's a presumption that that stadium will be open in August and certainly when we would play our game in December. But, you know, these are some of the unknowns we're dealing with. Uh, unknowns and certainly an unprecedented time. But, Commissioner, we appreciate your leadership and thank you for the time today. Appreciate it. Everybody stay safe and we wish you and your families uh, best of health. That's the Commissioner of the Mountain West, Craig Thompson. Okay, so, uh, sorry, there was a weird glitch in there. We had a repeat of a question. <laughs> Don't know, must have been the way I was recording somehow. But some interesting uh, points made by Commissioner Thompson about the Mountain West Conference, how things are affecting them right now. Um, he says that the, some cuts have already happened or are being discussed, uh, at least in the Mountain West Conference, and in the way it spends its money. Uh, he said there's a 16 to 18% budget cut in the college football budget that's being discussed. Um, they're looking at ways of reducing costs rather than cutting sports. One of those is to do a virtual media day, uh, trying to reduce travel or how many uh, people, participants could be involved in travel or how many people are involved in the game day um, uh, activities, uh, trying to reduce those costs. Um, says it's about a seven-figure loss so far per school just because of what happened with the NCAA tournament. But because Mountain West already completed their tournament, uh, their own conference tournaments, and a couple of the things that were already done for the uh, good portion of those that, that, that drive dollars, says there will still be a 97 to 98% distribution that will still go out from the Mountain West to its member institutions. So interesting comments there from Craig Thompson. We'll hear more tomorrow. Again, this was part one of a, a two-part interview, and uh, we'll have uh, more comments from him tomorrow. Uh, so stick around for that. Uh, we're going to take a quick time out here in the Full Court Press. We'll find out what's going on this week in the NFL. And when we come back, a uh, Utah State player uh, discussed in the upcoming draft. But we're not talking about Jordan Love, and we're not talking about the NFL. We'll discuss that next here on the Full Court Press. I'm Kevin Kugler with NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. Top quarterback prospect Joe Burrow is expected to be taken number one by the Bengals in this week's upcoming NFL draft. Burrow recently reached out to Peyton Manning for advice. Manning said he told Burrow, quote, if you're the first pick in the NFL draft, you're going to a team that has earned the first pick in the NFL draft. There are going to be some holes there. There's a reason the Colts were picking number one that year. There's a reason the Bengals are picking number one this year, end quote. NFL Network's James Palmer reported Friday the Broncos have interest in drafting a big-time wide receiver with the 15th overall pick. Sunday, the Colorado Springs Gazette reported the Broncos are targeting Alabama wideout Jerry Judy and would trade up into the top 10 to get him. The draft begins this Thursday, April 23rd on NFL Network. And teams with new head coaches can begin virtual off-season workouts Monday. The program is voluntary and includes classroom instruction, workouts, and non-football educational programs using online platforms. This has been NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network.
It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and AJ Salveson, thanks for tuning in and joining us on a Monday. Man, Saturday was just beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah. We got out all the awesome. yard games. Yeah. We that were, was really needed. You're like, kids, you cannot go inside. You cannot pick up an electronic device. You must spend the day outside. And then we had a blast. It was awesome. Good. Hoping for more of that. Yeah. Should have a pretty good week. Uh, a little bit of sunshine is, does uh, the soul some really good. Um, by the way, speaking of doing good, thank you to all the people in Cash Valley who came out in support in one form or another for the Cash Community Food Pantry. We talked about this uh, last week on several different occasions. Uh, the need is is really high right now. A lot of people furloughed or out of work. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, two major food drives have been canceled. So uh, <laughs> kind of makes it difficult when more people are knocking on your door and what you normally get isn't coming in. So Cash Community Food Pantry was in a real need, and you all stepped up. So thank you to all of our listeners who participated. Over 40,000 pounds of food oh, donated gracious, last man. week. Most of it came on Saturday uh, Saturday morning. Uh, but what's also just blows my mind, Ajay, nearly $80,000 donated to the Cash Community Food Pantry this last week. Incredible, incredible support. So thank you to our listeners. If you participated in that, it goes a long way. Uh, one of the things that we we, we found out uh, talking to Matt Whitaker, who is a director of the food pantry, is that those dollars go really far for the food pantry uh, because they're nonprofits. So they don't pay sales tax, and then they can get food at cost, and the local grocery stores are always really good to them. So uh, that gets you know food. They're able to go out and buy food that doesn't get donated or like personal hygiene products that don't often get donated to really help out a lot of people and people who never thought they'd be needing services from the food pantry are knocking on their door these days. So thank you. Thank you. It was awesome to see how you responded to our calls for help. Uh, and uh, it was, it was awesome to watch that. I, I got a chance to go down there for a little bit Saturday morning at the tail end of it and just saw a, just a steady string of cars, people pulling in, dropping off bunches of food and checks and then they leave with a smile on their face, and another group of cars would come in and, and fill it up. So uh, it was awesome. So thank you. That was great to be a part of that, and we appreciate those who, who participated. Yeah, that is awesome. And, again, that, that, I think that tells you everything you need to know about Cash Valley, right? People, when, when, when you need it the most, people always come through, and, and that's what this, uh, this valley's always been about. And uh, in, in a time of need, and with I, I think you said it a lot last week, you know, the Cash Valley – Food pantry was getting hit and hit hard. Unemployment and and lack of food and, and such and and then we we put together this one thing and in in one day, Eric, in one day, the response from Cash Valley was just overwhelming to say the least. Overwhelming. I just one last thing to say, and this isn't to I don't say this to toot our horn, but to clear up any confusion that might be out there. I, I did see some people making some comments on social media that. Oh, the you know their food pantry spending money to do a fundraiser like this doesn't really sit well with. Yeah, them. that's like, not even the, the truth of the matter true. is they didn't spend a dime. 
everything that you heard or anything that was discussed or commercials that were aired, posts on social media, were all done gratis. Uh, Cash Valley Media Group donated all of that. So, um, and it was we recognized it as a great cause, a, a need to help out a lot of people in the valley, and so we were happy to jump on board and do what we can to uh, raise awareness and get the word out there. So, cash the, the cash food pantry didn't spend a dime on this, folks. They're using every cent <laughs> in good ways. Not to say that advertising is not a good way because you need to get your word out, but uh, they used it. They, you can use all those dollars. Uh, dollars to help people in need right now. So anyway, big thanks to everybody who participated and, and uh, helped out. So appreciate it. Uh, interesting story in The Athletic today. John Hollinger uh, evaluates college players and how they can appear at the NBA at the next level. He does some NBA breakdowns as well. Uh, and he put together a post uh, today, and the title is Five Takes on NBA Draft Prospects Where I'm, where I'm Against the Consensus. And one of those guys that he, he features is Sam Merrill. He calls him the bad geography guy. He says that there are players from the Intermountain West and Pacific Northwest. He says they are systemically underscouted. Yeah, he puts in the list such as Kyle Kuzma, Derek White, Pascal Siakam, DeJounte Murray, Dalen Wright, Larry Nance Jr., Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, and, of course, Dylan Bricks. So then he goes ahead and, Eric, he puts on that list. Sam Merrill. Yeah, this year, he says, my my bad geography guy this year is Sam Merrill. And he says, nobody's making the bothering to make the trip to Logan, Utah to see this dude play. And then he gives some reasons why. Uh, yeah, hey, I, why are people bagging on Sam defensively? What am I missing here? Yeah, John Hollinger's not really keen on Sam's defensive prowess. He says, Merrill is average at best defensively, even in college, and he may turn out to be too flammable at the pro level for his offensive value to offset. Ow. But after that, it's all praise for Sam. Yeah, he starts with his production, uh, especially in regards of, uh, regards of shooting um, from deep. He's about 40% accuracy. Uh, he shot 41% from three, 89% from the line this past season. Uh, his career numbers from three are 42% from deep. Uh, and he shot from the line, I think, as a career, was it 88%, I believe, from the, as a, a career free throw shooter, and then w- under a minute to play, I think he only missed, what, he only missed one or two free throws with under a minute to play, I think, in his career, if I'm not mistaken. Incredible. A- incredible. Uh, he also says that he's, for his size, he is a, a, a good, good-sized guard, 6'5 guard who appears to have decent length, Comfortable coming off of curls, playing in pick and rolls. Uh, so he may not have that dynamism to get to the rim consistently, but he makes a decision darn near every time, close quote. Speaking of right decisions, he talks about the rate of assists, 6.5 per 100 possession. That's a really that's, that's really high figure, by the way, for a wing player who's supposed to be just taking jump shots. Monte Ellis, are you listening? Uh, but what stands out about uh, Sam Merrill to Mr. Hollinger even more, he says, is the 9.0% turnover ratio. He's making plays, so he says, while hardly even making mistakes, the only significant prospect with a lower turnover rate is Florida State's Devin Vassell, and Vassell is the guaranteed lottery pick. Merrill is going late in the second round, according to Mr. Hollinger. Yeah, uh, he says that um, the, the tape says that even games against athletic SEC teams like Florida and LSU, Sam Merrill was the best player on the court. Huh. 
he's, he predicts that Merrill won't be a primary ball handler in the NBA, but could be somebody who comes uh, off the bench, could be a second, what he calls as, refers to as a second side playmaker who has a plan B if he's not open from three. So he predicts he's a, he should be at worst a second round sleeper who is significantly undervalued. Yeah, and look, whoever gets him is going to get a steal. Like, whoever gets him is going to get a steal. He's going to get drafted. He's that good of a basketball player. And I think they'll find out defensively how good. He's a competitor. He is a, like Steph Curry can make it in the NBA for shooting for 40 feet. Sam Merrill, who's a better all-around basketball player, defensively and offensively, I think can make the NBA and be okay. Yeah, he's he's got a little more length. Um, I, I think that he could be... His his defense is better than what maybe some are, are looking at. Again, he's just one of those guys that when you look at him, you probably don't think here's going to be a, a good athletic basketball player. But he's smart. He knows how to position his body, and he's better than you think. Um, so uh, we talked to him two weeks ago. He says he's continuing to work on his athleticism and improving his athleticism on the on the edges is what he referred to. So uh, exciting to see Sam continue to be discussed in, in publications like this and get opportunities to be noticed by NBA teams. Hopefully, you know this all this stuff settles down and he can do some in-person workouts against some other quality players, and they'll realize, yeah, this guy, this guy's a baller. We need him. Yeah, I, that's the thing is that like when they watch film, they're going to find out what kind of a basketball player Sam is. Like when the New England Patriots watched film of Tom Brady, they found out exactly what they were getting out of him. They really, they 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 knew it. You're gonna get this, you know. When you watch film on Sam, you're gonna see good defense against quality players, great offense, and just a willingness to compete and a willingness to every watch all three tournament games this year and last year. And it's Sam Merrill every single time taking the reins and saying, "I jump on my back. We're gonna win this game." Making great decisions, making tough shots, and helping his teammates as well. Um, and by the way, did you see Malachi Flynn? He's going to forego. Yeah. He's yeah. going to declare for the NBA. Good for him, by the way. And thank goodness for the Mountain West Conference. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Utah State uh, fans should be happy to We're see thrilled. that. Thrilled. Uh, anyway, hey, that's going to do it for us tonight here on the Full Court Press. Appreciate you tuning in. Tomorrow we'll have more comments from Commissioner Thompson. At, uh, an interesting study that was done from a group of five schools and uh, athletic directors and their fans. We'll discuss that tomorrow. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Last Dance got off to quite a rousing start Sunday night. The ESPN 10-part documentary series on the 90s Bulls is an incredible sports story. It's also an interesting human story. It's a reminder that athletes, coaches, and GMs have feelings just like us. Michael Jordan teared up watching his mother read a letter that he wrote her in college. You had workplace politics between Coach Phil Jackson and GM Jerry Krause. You got a glimpse into how undervalued Scottie Pippen felt. People think winning cures everything, but you can see early on in the last dance that that's not always the case. As tremendous as those bowls were, you could see the championship team falling apart. It didn't matter that they had won five titles and they were international rock stars. It's a story about ambition, competitiveness, and ego. And that's just two episodes in. With no live sports on right now, this is going to be a lot of fun seeing the story unfold in eight more. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.